Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before single mom Lori Leonard can settle into her small-town home, she vanishes without a trace. We know she didn't get up and walk away from her children. I couldn't imagine her not holding her boys again. But as the months go by with no body and no bad guy, detectives still don't know if Lori's dead or alive. You didn't know where she was, but you knew something was terribly wrong. As detectives fish for answers, they get a line on a man in Lori's life who just may be a shark. This guy was a stalker type of person, making accusations, she having affairs with other people. He's very possessive. Is he behind Lori's disappearance, or did a stranger do the deed? We were just going to keep going till we found her. There was no ending until Lori was back home. Then, a couple of fishermen reel in a catch that's the ending everyone's been dreading. Hoping for a fine, they opened it, but instead got the shock of their lives. How well do you know your neighbors? What lies behind the white picket fences? In every small town in America, when an outsider moves in, neighbors always seem to come out of the woodwork. So when pretty blonde Lori Leonard sets up house in Chittenango, New York, she's the talk of the town. Lori's greatest quality was that she could make a friend in a minute, and she could always make anybody laugh. Her laugh could make anybody laugh. She was the life of the party, but not in the normal sense. She just had this aura about her that people were drawn to her, I guess. She and her two little boys are certain they'll soon feel right at home in this peaceful upstate town that has a special storybook charm. The people in Chittenango have established a strong relationship with a favorite son of theirs, L. Frank Baum, the author of the Wizard of Oz stories. This wordsmith's legacy is so revered that Chittenango locals are proud to walk in Dorothy's footsteps as they follow the yellow brick sidewalk along Main Street. 
So while this fairy tale town isn't in Kansas, for Lori Leonard, after a string of bad luck, it sure seems there's no place like her new home. There are a lot of families who live there all their lives because that's where their families came from. And their families going forward in the future will live there. They are Chittenango people forever. The single mom moves into a charming cottage on Falls Boulevard, where her two young boys, seven-year-old Jake and five-year-old Bryce, can thrive. Lori's boys were her absolute number one priority. Everything she did was for them. Lori was excited because the boys were going to have their own room. The boys were going to have a yard, and there was a creek behind there. She wanted the kids to have her own place. She wanted the dogs to have a place to run around and the kids to have a place to call home. More importantly, Lori's new waitressing job is just a few blocks away. She was really excited about the fact that she could just walk home from work and they would have all the rest of the night together. Big Sis Jen lives close by to help out in a pinch, which might come in handy. After failed relationships with her son's father, Lori is looking for a tin man to steal her heart. Her goal was to have a husband that was fantastic to the boys and with the boys and for her. She wanted somebody that could complete their family. For now, Lori's nephew, Jen's 15-year-old son, Dustin, fills in as a male role model for her boys and as a buddy to her. We were really close. I wasn't scared to tell her stuff. Like, I didn't think she'd judge me on any of it. She'd just have a conversation with me about it. So it sure seems Lori's finally found that place over the rainbow where dreams come true. But a storm's brewing that will sweep away her newfound happiness. On Thursday, May 5th, 2005, Jennifer Leonard's stomach is in knots. It's nearly nine in the morning, and her sister Lori was supposed to pick up her boys two hours ago after dropping them off the day before so she could finish unpacking and take a quick trip out of town. When I woke up and she wasn't there, I started to get nervous. She would have called somebody. She would have told someone that they're going to have to watch the kids a little longer. Jen hasn't heard a peep from her younger sister since Lori left for a road trip to Albany yesterday afternoon. And Lori hasn't answered Jen's calls. I think because they were so close, they're sisters, they'd known each other their whole life. She knew that something was wrong as soon as it was wrong. Supposedly, the plan was to leave Chittenango around one, putting Lori in Albany around three, to pick up Yankees tickets for the upcoming season. The tickets were a free gift from a man she met at her last job, at a casino. But Big Sis Jen now wonders if Lori should have looked this gift horse in the mouth especially since Lori was supposed to meet him at a hotel. I thought the guy wanting to meet her in Albany at a hotel and wanting to actually hand deliver her the tickets was a little funny. I thought it was weird that he didn't volunteer to mail the tickets. When 24 hours pass, with still no word from Lori, her family gives in to their worst fears. It was kind of like on autopilot. No one had heard from her. It wasn't panic mode, I guess. I wasn't panicking yet, but I, I was nervous. Unfortunately, Jen doesn't know the Yankees fan's name or if he holds the ticket to finding out what's happened to her sister. And she's been striking out calling Lori's friends. 
I just feel like I'm jumping out of my skin. I'm having some kind of anxiety attack. And I'm like, I just want to get up and run out of here. I just feel like something's wrong. Then Jen has an idea. She rings up Lori's 29-year-old ex-boyfriend, Sean Doyle, who was in town over the weekend helping Lori move. Even though the two had broken off their long-distance relationship three months earlier, they kept in touch. She needed a truck, and she couldn't afford to rent one, so he offered. When Jen gets a hold of Sean, he seems to have no idea that Lori's missing. He had said that he last saw Lori on Tuesday before she left for Albany to go get the Yankees tickets, and he acted very surprised that, that she wasn't around. Maybe Jennifer's imagination is running wild, or she's just being overprotective of her little sister. So Jen asks Dustin to do some sleuthing while she keeps her focus on Sean. Got a call from my mother saying that she wanted me to go check at the house to see if she was there, see if anything was amiss. I can't explain it. I just felt like something was wrong. When Dustin arrives at his Aunt Lori's house, he sees her car in the driveway. When I first saw the car, I figured, okay, she's home, everything's all right. But after he peeks inside her car, a chill goes down his spine as he sees her keys are still inside. That's when I really knew something was wrong because if she was in the house, she wouldn't have left her keys in the ignition. She doesn't leave her keys in the car. And in my mind, I guess there shouldn't have been a car there if she was in Albany. I kind of felt my heart drop and like a sickness come over me. Dustin quickly heads to the front door, but it's locked. When he hears Lori's dog start barking frantically, he's even more determined to get inside. I knocked for a while, banged on windows and yelled out for her and eventually just went through a window. Once in the house, Dustin's shocked to find that Lori's dogs have been fending for themselves for some time. The dogs haven't been fed in a while because they found a bag of dog food and ripped it open themselves and were eating out of that. She wouldn't leave the dogs without food or water if she was going out on her own. Hey, Lori! And when Dustin steps foot in his Aunt Lori's bedroom, what he sees only confirms his fears that something is wrong. The bed was not made at all, so I was kind of worried. The comforter is missing completely. But even more bizarre, Lori's favorite shoes are still there, and the way they're positioned puts Dustin on edge. One was by the door, and one was upstairs on her bed. Those are the shoes she would always wear when she would go anywhere. So at first, I thought maybe there was a struggle that started from the bed to the door. I couldn't figure it out. Dustin and Jennifer are pretty certain Lori left the house in a hurry. But why? And without her car? Then I said, something's not right this time. It's just not. We have to go to the police. As Lori's loved ones live out every family's worst nightmare, they play a waiting game that goes into overtime until police find the one clue they need to solve the case. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's been over a day since Lori Leonard disappeared while moving into her charming new cottage in Chittenango, New York, the hometown of Wizard of Oz author Frank Baum. And locals are wondering about the fate of the bubbly mother of two, including TV reporter Bill Carey. There was great anxiety in the community because the uncertainty about what had happened to her raised concern among a lot of people. You know, did you have somebody out there who was abducting people? But Lori's sister, Jen, refuses to think the worst. It was important to me to keep hope alive that Lori would come home because I couldn't imagine her not holding her boys again, her boys not holding her again, and I couldn't imagine ever giving up. Good thing Jennifer's got Chittenango's A-list police officer working the case. Corporal Tom Needell. He's seen it all in his 15 years on the force. The first few days of the investigation are so crucial because the longer it goes on, the colder that the trail gets. 
and there's no time to lose since Jen last spoke to Lori yesterday morning around 9. More than a day and a half ago. So we had to figure out what happened to Lori between the time that Jennifer Leonard had talked to her and now. Considering the way that the family described Lori to us, Lori taking off on her own really wasn't an option. So Officer Nidell heads right over to Lori's cottage. When he gets inside, he quickly notices there are no signs of forced entry. In fact, there aren't many clues at all. There weren't any signs of a struggle. We didn't find any signs of overturned furniture or blood or anything like that within the apartment. Luckily, the veteran detective knows that sometimes what's not there is just as important as what is. And after a thorough search of the house, he realizes that something valuable is missing. We did not locate Lori's purse or her cell phone, which was an indication to us that either Lori had taken them with her, or if Lori had met with foul play, somebody had taken those from the residence. As the detective leaves Lori Leonard's home and starts putting together the pieces of the puzzle, the picture isn't very encouraging. You have a woman that her car's in her driveway, her purse is missing, her cell phone's missing, the linens are missing off her bed, her dogs hadn't been left out in days. There was definitely something suspicious with this investigation. Stranger still, none of Lori's credit cards are in use. Red flags really started to be raised as more and more time went on. So Officer Nidell turns to the man Lori's sister said helped her move just two days earlier. And maybe the last person who saw her, Lori's ex-boyfriend, Sean Doyle. Even Lori's sister, Jen, wonders if he's involved. She's clearly not a fan of the man Lori met through an online dating site just a few months ago. In the beginning, he portrayed himself online as somebody who loved animals, somebody who was totally family-oriented, that loved kids, and those are the things that Lori was looking for. But a different side of Sean emerged once he and Lori got to know each other offline and in person. And I think that all the different things that he had told her online, maybe here and there she was picking up on the fact that it just, it wasn't the case. And it really wasn't what she expected it to be. It wasn't gonna be good for her family. Sean Doyle was not a particularly nice person. Um, he had a police record that Lori was aware of uh, involving drugs. But it turned out that Lori was not aware of a darker record over the years of Sean's run-ins with other girlfriends and his ability to strike out physically at these women. Jen doesn't know if Sean ever struck Lori, but his record shows he did serve time for assaulting his past paramours. There was a couple of times when Lori saw a jealous side to Sean, and I think that was another one of those red flags that she was like, okay, you're really not who you portrayed yourself to be. So as Detective Nidell gets ready to track Sean down, he recruits a fellow brother in blue to help with the case. A guy who lives to solve whodunits. 15-year veteran investigator, Wade Irwin. I've often told people, if anything ever happened to me, I would hope to God Investigator Irwin would be on the case to find out whoever was responsible. 
and Detective Irwin wastes no time digging into the case at hand. Sean did have a prior record of arrest for assaults, prior reports for domestic incidents. And when, as an investigator, you see that type of activity, it definitely sends a red flag up um, to pay a little more attention to this individual. Did Sean's anger rear its ugly head again, this time aimed at Lori? To find out, these crime dogs trail Sean like Toto following the yellow brick road, making the three-hour drive to his house in Hudson Falls, New York. Sean answers the door, and it's clear this thug is no cowardly lion. I believe Sean Doyle wanted to portray himself as a bad boy and a tough person with a tough persona. He was uh, covered with tattoos. He wore bandanas and a leather coat. And when asked where he went once he and Lori said goodbye that day, Sean doesn't miss a beat. Sean Doyle's alibi was that he left Lori Leonard's apartment in Chittenango, and he traveled to his home in Hudson Falls and drove home with no stops. But it was very difficult to confirm his timeline because there were no witnesses that could could pinpoint him. Sean goes on to say that he got back home around 4 o'clock that afternoon and that his family can vouch for him. So police focus on Sean's shadowy love life to see if it sheds any light on Lori's fate. We looked into Sean Doyle's criminal background, and he did have prior record of arrest for assaults and prior reports for domestic incidents. While Lori told Jen she broke things off with Sean, he says that's not so. He claims he was the one who ended it about six months ago because Lori had strayed. Sean Doyle was upset with Lori Leonard because as he told police, she was dating other people. Sean says the two remained friends over the last few months. That's why he helped her move. But investigators wonder if he was still packing a grudge and unloaded it that day. Maybe he was upset, he was shunned, and they had a tumultuous relationship. He would have motive to cause injury or to do something to Lori. Yet Sean keeps telling police he had nothing to do with Lori's disappearance. He swears she was alive and well when he walked out the door to head home. Shondale never admitted to uh, physically harming Lori Leonard or any other person. Sean claims detectives are barking up the wrong tree, that the guy they want is the mysterious Yankees ticket holder Lori was supposed to visit in Albany the night she disappeared. So detectives decide to pitch some questions at the new prospect. Because sometimes if you focus on one suspect, you have tunnel vision, and there is always a chance that while Sean Doyle was a person of interest and had a record that might draw their attention that perhaps somebody else might have been involved in this case. Like Lori's sister, Sean doesn't know the Yankee fan's name, but since Lori met him at the casino, maybe her former co-workers can help identify him. So detectives ask Washington County police to keep an eye on their local boy as they head back to Chittenango, hoping to get the scoop on this mysterious ticket master. We didn't have a whole lot of information other than she was going to Albany. Was the meeting supposed to be a secretive meeting? Did she not want people to know about it? We didn't know, but it gave us hope that we could get further information to see if she actually made it to the meeting or not. 
When detectives arrive at the casino, it seems their gamble pays off, because a waitress fills them in on this wildcard suspect. We identified the man as Randy Sharp. Randy was an executive for a large company. He had traveled for business to the casino, and he had met Lori one night while she was working. According to Lori's former colleague, it was about a month ago that Randy and Lori struck up a conversation that lasted well into the night. Their conversation led to Randy offering these season tickets that he has. But with Randy living in the Big Apple, about 100 miles south of Albany, and Lori the same distance away in Chittenango, the state capital sure seems like a strange place to meet. Was Randy's promise of Yankees tickets a trick play? Did he have an ulterior motive that changed the game in the ninth inning? Maybe he had an expectation that something was supposed to happen and she wasn't under the same expectation. And when it didn't happen, he could have possibly done something to her, could have physically harmed her. So investigators head off to Albany to see if the Yankee fans struck out. But will they get lucky with their newest suspect? Or is their winning streak about to end? It's been over a week since anyone's seen or heard from Chittenango, New York's newest resident, Lori Leonard. And a dark cloud of concern has settled over her friends and family. They can't help wondering if the story will have a happy ending. It just it got harder and harder because he knew if she was gone for that long that she probably wasn't coming back. I couldn't put any of my feelings into any kind of words other than anger and frustration and terror. Chittenango detectives share the Leonard's frustration, but an end to their struggles may be in sight. Investigators have a feeling fellow baseball fan Randy Sharp may be to blame for Lori's disappearance. It struck us as odd that she had to go to Albany to get tickets from Randy. We don't know if they met previous times. We don't know how long they had known each other. I was like, no, Lori, you are way too, way too trusting. She didn't know the guy, and I was hoping that it would all fall through. It's an offer that seems even more suspect since neither Lori nor Randy live anywhere near the scheduled meeting place. Perhaps it was just an excuse to get innocent, baseball-loving Lori alone. She expected that the tickets were over for free, and we were concerned that maybe he thought there was some action that he was looking for, and that didn't happen, which upset him and led him to possibly harming her. So these top cops take a trip to New York City to see if this Yankee is actually a Dodger. When we went to Randy's house, it was in an upscale neighborhood. Uh, it was a nice neighborhood. And when Randy opens up the door, detectives grow even more suspicious of this well-dressed businessman. And we noticed that he appeared to be a little bit nervous. We noticed he had a wedding ring on. Why did this married man invite single Lori to meet him at a hotel in Albany, hours away from his wife in NYC? There have been a number of cases where a man has strayed, has then been worried about the effects of that type of situation and has decided to remove the only witness to that indiscretion. Was Lori the victim of a two-timing man with a guilty conscience? 
The line of questioning has Randy shaking in his fancy shoes. In fact, he's so worried about the topic, he refuses to let police inside. It became apparent that uh, he didn't want his wife to know uh, what we were talking to him about and why. Sure seems like this supposed family man may have been a bad boy recently. But Randy readily admits to planning the hotel rendezvous, explaining he was in Albany on business. And he insists that Lori stood him up. He told us that he was concerned uh, that Lori had not arrived at the hotel at 5 o'clock like she said she was going to. Randy simply assumed Lori changed her mind and didn't bother to tell him. He even claims he left several messages on Lori's cell phone, though she never called him back. But police aren't sure his story rings true. The initial impression uh, about Randy was is that he was hiding some emotional attachment and maybe some moral wrongdoings. To find out, police leave him in the city that never sleeps and head to Albany for answers. In this case, she was going to Albany, so you have to check everything between here and Albany. Turns out there's no sign of Lori on the hotel's surveillance tapes. And Randy's business colleagues confirm he was present for all scheduled meetings. While it's not a foolproof alibi, detectives just don't get the feeling he's to blame. So with heads down, they go back to the drawing board. The ups and downs of the investigation are, are very taxing. Uh, it's very hard on you as a person. It's very frustrating. The stress is also taking its toll on Lori's sister, Jen. There was a lot of different emotions. You know, you're looking at her little boy's eyes and there's just tears rolling down their face. I was frustrated, really, really frustrated. Detectives assured Jennifer they won't rest until the case is solved. And what better place to match a suspect to the crime than through the online dating site where Lori met Sean. The fact that she was using an online dating service and had a communication with a number of different people opened up the avenue to interview other potential witnesses or suspects. After reviewing Lori's history on the dating site, police come across a curious profile, an online Casanova who stands out from the crowd, Todd Owens. While a long list of lovely ladies had their sights set on Todd, he seemed to have eyes only for Lori. They had met, they had dated, they had spent time together, and the communication was recent. The police told me that he was very infatuated with Lori. They were really interested in talking to him because when someone is infatuated with somebody, then they go to different lengths to be with them. Looks like Todd may have thought Lori was a perfect match. But did she? Maybe this ladies' man has done something to Lori that he can't delete. Ever since Lori Leonard went missing in the spring of 2005, folks in Chittenango, New York, have been tossing and turning in their beds. A month after her disappearance, bleary-eyed locals are convinced she's dead and worry that her killer's still lurking around. They want somebody in custody so that they can sit back and at least have a sense of peace and a sense of quiet in their small town. 
Residents don't know it yet, but police have their sights set on someone who Lori recently made a connection with online, 38-year-old construction worker Todd Owens. Living only miles away, Todd had the hots for Lori since making a love match on a dating site. One of the people that she was talking to on the internet was very infatuated with her. Sounds like this Romeo was quite smitten with Lori after a romantic dinner for two, but the feeling wasn't mutual. You know, there was no chemistry on her end. If a guy didn't fit what she wanted and needed for herself and her boys, then there wasn't going to be any time wasted with that. Now investigators want to know if Todd lashed out when Lori brushed off his advances. While Todd admits to pressing for another date, he swears that's as far as it went. Police aren't so sure. People want what they can't have, and when they can't have it, sometimes they lose control of their emotions, and a person's attitude is, is if I can't have it, nobody else can. Todd insists he hasn't talked to Lori since their last date. Even so, police ask Todd where he was the Tuesday Lori went missing and he quickly pulls an alibi out of his back pocket, claiming he was working at a construction site. So detectives follow up with his boss, and it sounds like Todd's story is strong as steel, and his record is twice as solid. The only thing that Todd was guilty of was maybe being a little overly obsessed with, with Lori and wanting more out of a relationship than she did. With Todd cooling as a suspect, police can't help but wonder if their luck will ever change, even as they go back to pounding the pavement looking for suspects. There is always pressure on a police department with an open case that is drawn a lot of attention in the community and the media to resolve this case. As weeks turn into months without any new leads, Lori's sister, Jen, also worries they'll never know what happened to her. It feels like you're in a snow globe and you're stuck and your hands are up against the inside and you're watching everybody else's life go by and you are angry. What we needed at that point was we really needed a big break in the case. A witness, somebody who could tell us what happened, or unfortunately, we, we would need a body. Chittenango detectives aren't the only ones on the lookout for Lori Leonard. Their counterpart, Washington County Detective Bruce Hamilton, two hours up the interstate, is also up to speed on the case. I first heard about the Lori Leonard case during a monthly intelligence meeting that we had. All the agencies from the county and surrounding counties would come in, we'd discuss cases. On July 24, 2005, Officer Hamilton has the name of the missing woman on his mind when a frantic call comes in from a fisherman on the banks of the Champlain Canal on the outskirts of town. Seems the angler just reeled in a gruesome discovery. He's a bit of a scavenger, and when he saw the toolbox floating near the surface of the water, he had hooked onto it. I don't know what he thought it was. I think he thought it was probably just an empty toolbox, which was fairly light until he started pulling on it and realized there was some weight to it. Hoping for a fun find, the fisherman opens it and gets the surprise of his life. The shocking contents, a body wrapped in a blood-soaked comforter. It was so unusual. 
that it, it's almost like a, a TV show kind of thing that you would find somebody that way here in Washington County. We do have things that go on here consistently. A body in the toolbox and waterway isn't one of them. On the scene in minutes flat, Hamilton carefully unwraps the blanket, revealing a petite blonde who endured the unimaginable. Since she's naked from the waist down, it's a good guess she was raped. At some point, her attacker covered her nose and mouth with duct tape and cuffed her hands and feet. And beside her are sandbags to weigh down the toolbox in the water. I was horrified. And to think that somebody would do that to somebody else was really kind of a, an eye-opener. Whoever's to blame isn't the sharpest tool in the shed. The woman's purse is inside the box, complete with her ID. And sure enough, it's Lori Leonard. At that point, it was, we found her, we've got her, we gotta do the right thing and make sure we do the best investigation possible. Detective Hamilton sends Lori's makeshift coffin to the crime lab and her body to the coroner. It was a bittersweet moment. Um, it, it was hard. We knew that the case would come to closure, so. When the gut-wrenching news makes it back to Lori's family, they're devastated. I broke down. I always thought not knowing would be worse, but now I, I don't. I, I, I think it's one and the same. I remember feeling like I cracked. I mean, your sister was in a toolbox. How do you ever wrap your mind around that being said? You think about every single, every single thing in like one second. But Jennifer knows her tears won't bring her sister's killer to justice. When they found Lori, there was still no time to grieve and no time to wrap your mind around it because the next thing you had to do was make sure that they picked him up, make sure that they kept him in jail. Luckily for Jennifer, after Lori's case airs on the 10 o'clock news, police get a phone call from a woman who saw the story and just may know the ending. Does this tipster have the solution to Lori's mysterious case? After an exhaustive three-month search, police have finally found the body of Lori Leonard. Now, there's just one question on everyone's mind. Who put her in the toolbox that was discovered in the canal? We hadn't eliminated anybody. We were trying to keep an open mind and not focus on one thing and lose sight of the other. Luckily for detectives, the medical examiner has 20-20 vision and he thinks Lori's autopsy might just solve this one-of-a-kind mystery. When they removed Lori from the toolbox, they discovered that under the layer of duct tape that was on her lower face, that she also had a bandana crammed into her mouth. The coroner determines that the bandana was the murder weapon, causing Lori to choke to death. But that's just half the story. Her pants were located in the box with her, and when we examined them, they appeared to have been cut off which suggested to us that they were removed after she had been bound because you wouldn't have been able to get them off otherwise. Which gives detectives a clue. For someone to remove the pants, to me, they're indicated there may be a sexual component to this. Because Lori's body was submerged for months, a rape kit doesn't produce any DNA. However, police don't need it to figure out the motive. 
whomever had done this to Lori, it was their intention to, to hurt her or to teach her a lesson. Good thing investigators may be about to snap another piece of information onto this puzzling case. A woman named Sandy calls police to say she just watched the 10 o'clock news, and she has one heck of a follow-up story for detectives. It was exciting because I wasn't sure what we were going to run into. She identifies herself as Sean Doyle's neighbor and claims that Lori's ex had the same toolbox that was pulled from the canal. When she initially saw the toolbox in Sean's truck, she was like, you know, why do you have that? What, what do you have that in your truck for? And at that point, he said that uh, he kept his fishing gear in it so nobody would steal it. What's more, around the time Lori went missing, Sean took the toolbox out of his truck, and she never saw it again. When the acquaintance asked him what was up with that, he gave her a vague answer. Basically said that he had gotten rid of it. It could just be a coincidence, or maybe a nosy neighbor itching to make headline news by pointing the finger at Sean. Even so, there's something police simply can't ignore. The location of Lori's makeshift coffin. It was within a couple miles of his residence, so he jumped to the top of the list. Sure seems like this suspect is in over his head, and police can't wait for another go at him. However, when police take their second shot at Sean, he won't cooperate. He had obtained an attorney. He had invoked his rights, so we just uh, we didn't try to interview him. With tight-lipped Sean keeping his cards close to his chest, police decide to up the ante themselves. They start by talking to more of Sean's neighbors. And it seems as if Sean's tough guy attitude matches his wardrobe. We were able also to talk with people that had said that that was part of his uh, attire, that if he'd go out in the evening, he would uh, have a pair of handcuffs in his belt. Maybe they were the same handcuffs he used to restrain Lori before she was viciously murdered. And prosecutor Kevin Courtright is ready to tackle the case. It's so important to solve these cases for the family's sakes and for the community's sakes. It's an awful thing to have an unsolved case because you never get closure for anybody. So Kevin grants police a warrant to search Sean's home, and it's a move that pays off in spades. During the search of the house, we located a pair of handcuffs that were identical to the ones that we had found on Lori when she had been autopsied. We found numerous bandanas. He had a huge collection of bandanas. Sean was always known for wearing bandanas on his head. That was his signature, his trademark. It's a murder weapon that fits the crime, and the bandanas are identical to the one found in Lori's mouth. And that's not the only damning piece of evidence police find hidden in Sean's home. In the garage and under the porch, they found sand tubes which matched the sand tube that was in the truck box with Lori Leonard's body. The tour of Sean's house has certainly been fruitful, but the key to solving the case is found outside in his truck. The state police located a key in the glove box of the truck. And when we matched the serial number on the key to the lock on the recovered toolbox, they were identical. Four months after Lori Leonard was reported missing, police finally have enough evidence to arrest Sean Doyle for the crime. 
He really didn't seem to be surprised. He was a little bit nervous, but myself, Investigator Irwin, and a state police investigator confronted him in the workplace and took him into custody. While under arrest, Sean never once admits to being behind Lori's murder. I think Sean's the kind of guy that would never admit it anyways, because it would show a weakness on his part maybe, or that he believed he did nothing wrong or somebody else had done it. Sean's silence doesn't matter much, because in December of 2005, he's charged with second-degree murder, and a year later, he's convicted and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. When uh, the jury came back and said guilty, for five seconds maybe, I was excited and then back to upset. But it didn't last long. Knowing he still has a life to live and she doesn't, it makes anything hard to be happy about. While nothing can bring Lori back, her sister Jennifer knows the world is a better place with Sean behind steel bars. Am I glad he's gone? Absolutely. Would I wish more that happened to him? Yeah. I remember thinking a lot that I wanted him to feel the pain he was putting us through. Police may never know exactly what happened, but based on the evidence, they think it went like this. Sean is helping Lori move into her new duplex hoping to strike up an old flame, but she refuses to rekindle their relationship. Yeah, he was very jealous. Her going to even see someone to get Yankees tickets made him mad. And that sets off controlling Sean, who unleashes his anger on Lori. He was trying to show her who was boss or how dare you treat me this way. He restrains her with the handcuffs on her ankles and her wrists. He duct tapes her mouth so she's she can't talk, she can't cry for help. Leaving Lori utterly defenseless against the sexual assault. He cut her pants off. I believe he sexually molested her at that time. Lori's unable to breathe and suffocates to death. And Prosecutor Courtright has no doubt that was Sean's plan all along. It's been my theory that he put himself in a place that he would be alone with Lori Leonard. He knew the kids were gonna be gone. He had his kit ready, his, his murder kit with the tape and the handcuffs. And he waited till he was alone with her. In an effort to cover up the crime, Sean wraps Lori in her comforter and stuffs her body and purse into his truck's toolbox and drives home to Hudson Falls. Using sandbags to weigh it down, he drops the makeshift casket into the canal later that night, hoping it and the truth will never surface. But they do. I'm proud of the folks that worked on this case. I'm proud of the way it was prosecuted. I'm proud of the way it turned out, and I hope it gives some closure to the family. One thing's for certain, with a killer behind bars, the residents of this small town can finally rest easy. But Lori's sister Jennifer is sad that Chittenango never got to know how special she was. Sean took away a sister that I was absolutely blessed to have. Everybody in my family was blessed to have Lori. There's not a lot of people like her. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.